Amen. So now open your Bibles. Let's get into the word just for a bit. Let's get into the word. Let's get into the word. You love worship? I love worship too. As always, we say good morning to Pastor Linnell. Amen. It's good to see her. Good to be with her all the time. Good to be with her all the time. Good to be with my family all the time. I am a blessed man. Praise God. My title today is Me First, You Always. Me first, you always. Get your notebooks out. Please take some notes. I want to tell you while, while, you're, while you're getting your notes out and writing down your title, thank you guys. Y'all were amazing today. Um, uh, <clears throat> there, was a young day, there was a young lady, and I get this all the time, and I really didn't know how to deal with it for years. For years, I would be teaching, and I wouldn't remember saying anything about money. But uh, there was a young lady that walked up to me. She says, I'm, you know, I'm really having a struggle staying at this church. And I said, oh, what is it? Is it me? She said, yes. <laughs> and uh, I said, okay, I get it. I said, what am I, do what am I doing that makes it difficult for you? She said, you talk about money all the time. I said, I do? I didn't notice that. I didn't notice that. And some of you are shaking your heads. You do, Pastor. Uh, but I don't feel like I do. I didn't feel like I talked about uh, money all the time. And I said, um, I do? I said, what do you hear me say? She says, you're always talking about money. You're always talking about prosperity. You're always talking about kingdom and wealth. And she said, it's a struggle for me. I need to be at a church where they just teach me how to love God and that God loves me. So I said to her, I bet your number one struggle is money. I bet you think about it all day. Yes, I do. I said, so what, what's, what's happening to you, sweetheart? Don't hate me. Don't hate me because it don't matter no way uh, whether you like me or not. That has nothing to do. I don't work for you. So, uh, uh, so what I'm saying to you is I'm trying to give you a principle so you don't have to worry about money anymore. I'm trying to help you. It may not feel like I'm trying to help you. But if you can just stick around, just stick around for 12 months and listen to what I say and just do what the word says, it'll change everything. She ended up getting three promotions, way above her pay grade. She didn't have a degree. Now she's leading people, making what, making what people should have a master's degree doing. And she's a high school graduate, raising her kids, making more money than she ever thought she'd make. You get what I'm saying? So what I'm saying to you is if, if, you, if you learn these principles, these principles will take you higher than, than, than others who had to qualify for it. So it's not really, it's not, this series is not, about, is not about loving money. It's about understanding what money is, what wealth is, what prosperity is, so that we all understand it. And all of us can walk in that way of kingdom wealth because God wants us all to walk in it. There's not one person that God wants to live outside of wealth. Not one person, not one family, no one. That's what he wants. You still with me? So now what pleases God then? What pleases God? What pleases God? What kind of, what kind of things can I do that sets me up so that God is pleased with me? He's pleased with me. Number one, God, God is really pleased. He's really pleased when I have a long life desire to know his ways. I, I don't just, just want to know what his word says. <clears throat> I want to know his ways. Show me your ways so that I can walk with you. Show me your ways so that I can understand you. So when others are confused, when others are confused, I cannot be confused, right? So while everybody's washing their hands and getting scared over a cold, I 
don't have time to get scared over a cold. Don't go over there, you're going to catch a cold. I catch a cold, I catch a cold, I, can, I could catch a cold every winter. I don't get colds. I don't get the flu. I don't. So the, the, the reason we have to make you fearful is that when you get fearful, we can take your stuff. You get distracted when you're scared. You start leaving deals on the table. You start walking away from relationships because your mind is scared to touch people. If I like you, I'm going to shake your hand. Uh-oh. I know his ways. I know his ways and I know man's ways. And I can tell when it's time, every election there's a new disease. Okay, let me move on. Y'all, I'm, I'm like, hey, listen, is we kingdom or not? Saints run around here scared. <laughs> Holy people. <laughs> full, of the Holy <laughs> full of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to shut down my store. Somebody might walk in here with a cold. I ain't going to the gym. <laughs> Somebody might cough on me. Do y'all know your phone is the dirtiest thing you possess? <laughs> if you didn't get sick, by touching your phone. <laughs> it's because you don't have faith that your phone will make you sick. Okay. Okay. Second thing that pleases God. I, I hear y'all. Y'all like, we just get on with the money thing so we can go home. If you had faith that this would give you a cold, because everything is on here. Am I clear? This is dirtier than your toilet. But you don't have any faith that there are any diseases on here. So none of these diseases come in your life. Second thing that pleases God. <laughs> bold. Bold, consistent acts of obedience without concern for the outcome. I'm going to be bold about acting on what you said, and I'm not going to be concerned about the outcome. I'm just going to do what I'm told. I'm going to operate in the principle. Number three, getting behind here. Number three, a deep longing to please him, not others and not myself. You're stuck because you've been spending too much time trying to please other people. And everybody has an agenda for you. And the bold ones will tell you what your agenda should be. I don't live under your agenda. I work for God. And number four, he loves it when you establish his word as truth. Your word is truth in my life. And I'll add number five. It's not up here, but he loves it when you use your faith. When you use your faith to do something that is impossible to get done, God loves it and shows up on the scene to help you. Because he loves faith. He uses his faith. You came from him. He is faithful. 
and so are you. Say, so am I. I'm faithful for what God tells me to do. I'm faithful to the vision that he's given me. I'm faithful to the anointing of my life. I'm faithful to the dream he's given me. I'm faithful to it. I won't walk away from it for anyone or anything. I have to use my faith. When it doesn't look right, I got to use my faith. I can't, I got to use my faith in front of my children so that they will learn what faith is like. And when things are falling apart at home and your children know it, it's the perfect time to use your faith. Baby, let me show you how faith works. Well, Daddy, this ain't going to work out. I know it ain't. Let's just use our faith. Let's just believe that it's going to work out, Mom says. And all of a sudden, the children's like, that's how this works. Exactly. You don't have to know how. God just deal it, deal, does with it. So now we got to deal with our misconceptions about wealth. We have to deal with our misconceptions. How many of you heard this scripture, this, this scripture that's in the Bible? The scripture's in the Bible. Money is the root of all evil. Raise your hand if you heard that scripture. Have you heard that scripture? I'm setting you up, right? That ain't what the scripture says, is it? <laughs> what does the scripture say? Y'all put emphasis on the love of it. It is the love of money that is the root of all evil. Money is not a root of evil. Money answers, thanks Josh, money answers all things. You got a question? Money answers it. Uh-uh, pastor, I'm telling you. I'm telling you right now. Don't get mad at me. Can I tell you this? If your family has a question, how are we going to make it through this? <laughs> what are we going to do now? Such and so is sick, but we don't have money for the surgery. Money answers all things. Whatever question you have, money can answer it. Well, money can't buy love. I'm telling you right now, Google it. The number one reason for divorce is the lack of money. Money shuts down sex. Money shuts down family reunions. Money shuts down communication. The lack of money shuts down everything. You start telling your kids no all the time, they're going to start freezing up on you when they go to other places and parents are spending money on their kids. And it only will last for so long. You know, honey, this is what we're doing. Uh-uh, mama, you got to show up with something right here. Money shuts down everything. So now I have to deal with the misconceptions. Here's a big one in Psalm 35, 27. Am I going too fast? Psalm 35, 27, listen to what, and this is my favorite. I know some of you, you've been listening to me talk about, you've been listening to me talk about wealth and money for a long time. He's, he always uses that scripture. It's because it's my favorite. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. God says, let them shout for joy and be glad. I'm going to shout for joy and be glad. Why? Because I favor his righteous cause. What's his righteous cause? Read it. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has I love this scripture my righteous cause is I want those who serve me I swell up I'm magnified when they prosper when they prosper I stick my chest out when they prosper when they have wealth it makes me feel good God says 
In other words, when you don't prosper, when you don't have wealth, God shrinks. He doesn't feel proud. How did you feel, some of y'all, when your child bought their own car? You didn't care what it looked like, did you? Some of you don't, don't have kids yet. You just wait till your child, I mean, you know, your kids are young. Wait till your child buys their own car, gets their own apartment, buys their own house. You'll be like, you're in the parking lot saying, my son bought this car. They looking at it with rust all over it. <laughs> and you said, that's all right. He bought it himself. He did not come to me. You swell up. Because you've taught your children how to take care of themselves. God swells when you prosper. It's a misconception. He makes himself big. Psalm 115, 14 says, may the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. This is God talking. I want you to have increase, not just you. You and your I want you and your children to increase more and more. I want your family to be abundant in this season. And in the next season, I want you to be more abundant. With the next opportunities, I want to open up something for you, and you deserve it. I'm giving it to you. Psalm 5, 12, just a couple more. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him with a shield. Watch what God says. I love it. God says, I'm going to bless you, and then I'm going to surround you with a shield so you won't lose it. Okay, okay, I don't know where I'm at this morning. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you, then I'm going to surround you with a shield so you never have to be concerned about losing it. You won't be concerned about nobody taking it. You won't have to be concerned about no one stealing it or swindling you out of it. He's a God of increase. Can I give you one more? Okay, then I'll give you two. Psalms 5.12 says, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor and surround them as with a shield. And then 3 John 1 and 2 says, Beloved, I'm praying for you. But what I'm praying for you is that you would prosper. True definition of wealth. I'm praying for you that you would prosper, but also be in health even as your soul prospers. So as your soul prospers, your money will prosper. And your health will prosper because your soul is prospering. So my goal today is to make sure your soul prospers. What you know, what you understand, the knowledge of God in your heart and in your spirit so that you understand exactly what God wants to do with you, through you, to you, and your family. Once you know it and you can receive it, it won't matter, who, it won't matter what anybody else is doing around you. I know what I'm talking about. I grew up in a place of hate. Every day, all day, a place of hate, a place of telling you we don't like you. And letting you know there are systems that are built here that you'll never make it any place. We got you cornered in here. This is it. Praise God. But that's why I went to church. Every time the doors of the church was open, I was in church. Because it was the only way I was going to change this. I can't change this watching a football game. I can't change this at a picnic. I can't change this sitting at home. 
I had to go someplace, the only place I could go, where at least somebody would tell me something good about myself and my world. And my responsibility is to do the same with you. So here are some principles you need to know. You ready? There are some principles found in Exodus 13, 1 through 3. I can't read it because I'm trying to get somewhere else. In Exodus 13, 1 through 3, there are principles. The first principle is this. If it is first, God claims it. He doesn't ask you for it. He says it's his. What you do with it is up to you. But your first child is his. Your first job is his. Your first minute of the day is his. He believes that. You read the scripture. Don't have time for that. If it is first, it is no longer mine. If it's first, he says it's his. So that means it's not mine. Next, if it is first and I keep it, I'm claiming that I did it myself. I want you to understand God. If God, if God gives me a raise, if God opens a door for me, if God gives me a contact, and I don't treat it like it's his, it's first in my life, if I don't treat it like it's his, he believes, he believes that I'm saying that I created it. In other words, he takes it like I'm saying I'm God. You still with me? He believes he woke you up. He believes that, whether you do or not. He believes he woke you up. He believes he gave you the job. He believes he gave you the company. That's what he believes. Now, what you believe is up to you. But what you believe is going to motivate you to do something with the first. If you have your first child and you say it's mine, you don't bring it to church. You don't teach it, teach it God's ways. You don't teach it how to quote scripture and pray and reverence God. If you don't do what Hannah did, if you don't bring that child to God and say he's yours, you're not going to have any more kids. And this one child is going to fight against you your whole life. Because God's, God will take his hands off of him because you're saying, I created this. So you have to give it to him and see what he does with it. That's too much for you. So Romans, you want some New Testament? So Romans 11 and 16, there are, there are a few more principles. Here's the principles found in Romans 11, 16. The first part is what governs the rest. If I give God part of the first part, then everything I have left is blessed. If I don't give him part of the first, then everything I have is a curse on it. There's an unusability on it because I have not recognized how God looks at it. Next, the first represents the total. If the lump is holy, if a part, if a part of the dough is holy, then the whole lump is holy, he says. And when I take a little piece and I give it to God, he sanctifies the rest. My money will go further than yours. Oh, absolutely. There he is talking about money again. Y'all gave me one month. Can I talk about money? My, uh, uh, your first, your tither, you got a friend that tithes. And you make more money than them, but they got more stuff than you. They're always happy. They're debt-free, and you're trying to figure it out. You'll never figure it out. 
This is not about money and jobs and all that. It's about this person just honors God. God, here's 10% because you own it all. You could have asked me out for all of it. And I'm telling you, because you have, there will be days that God comes to you and asks for all of it. I'm in the wrong church this morning up in here. I know because there's been three times in the building of this building where God came to Linnell and I and said, I want all of it. And there was one time it was our life savings. It was everything we had. He said, I want it. We rejoiced because we understand how this works. Because if God can bring something to me and then ask me for it and I rejoice, I know it's getting ready to happen. I know it's getting ready to happen. He's going to ask me the next day, what do you want? What do you want? You can't loan to me and not get blessed. You can't sow into something I'm trying to do. See, 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 see. That's why you hate preachers. That's why you hate preachers. You don't hate preachers because of what they preach. You hate preachers because they're driving Cadillacs. You hate preachers because they live in good. You hate preachers because they're in a good house. But they're by defunct in a good house. Because when you ain't got money, they got to give it up. They got to pay for stuff when you won't give. They got to write checks and their children don't have food to eat. So now, once they lend to God, God pays them back. I'm not ashamed to be wealthy. You can't keep me from being wealthy. Keep your little check because you think it goes to me. Think... Keep it all. Don't bother me at all. I am a giver. I am a tither. And everything I have belongs to God. I don't need nothing from you. You can hold it. You can think you're hurting me and my family. We ain't hurt. And we ain't going to never be hurt. Shoot, I give too much. Tell your neighbor, don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at me. I know my shirt is crisp. My, sh my skirt looks good. My children are clean all the time. Shout it. I'm a giver. That's what it is. Okay, sit down. Sit, sit, sit. Glory to God. Glory to God. What did I say? Okay, that's what I said. <laughs> so, so Exodus, 20, <laughs> Exodus 22 and 9, or 22, 20, whatever it is. They know what it is. Watch what the word says. Well, you in the Old Testament. Okay, okay. Let you, now, your ignorance is going to kill you now. Read it. You shall not delay to offer the first of your right produce. Come on. The firstborn of your sons. He said, don't delay. Don't delay. When you, when you see something happen in your life that you couldn't do, he says, don't delay. Don't be sitting on it going, well, you know, I'm going you know, to wait to the Lord, you know, give me an opportunity, then I'm going to give it. Uh -uh. He said, when you, when you pick that fruit off the vine, he says, bring it straight to me, lift it up to me and say, God, you created this. I know I planted the seed, but if it wasn't for you and the relationship with the soil, I wouldn't have it. 
I could be with my wife all night for 365 nights, but we could never produce this. This is your work. This is our son, Joshua. Use him as you will. He belongs to you. He's not ours. See, that's why you broke. And that's why you hate people. You hate people because they're blessed. And you're wasting your time because they don't know you don't like them. And they don't care. They're too busy enjoying the goodness of God. Lord Jesus, I hate you, Ron. And Ron is like, well, I just got another email. Somebody want me to do something for him. <laughs> He don't have time to be wondering about what you feel about him. Okay, let me move on. So this definition here, man, I'm doing good. This scripture right here, I quote it at least once a week. Deuteronomy 8.18. I quote it in my life at least once a week. You should too. Get a translation of this that you like, the way it flows. As long as it's Bible now, don't get no weird translation. Listen, listen to what God says. Read it. You shall remember the Lord. Why? Okay, some, some ain't reading. Give your glasses to your neighbor, please, so they can see the board. <laughs> If you're under the sound of my voice, read it. I'm not, I'm not asking you to read it just to obey me, but your voice, your, your, okay, scientifically speaking, your brain, your mind is created to only hear one voice, yours. So you have to say it out loud to really remember it. I can say it, but it's not the same. Your voice is the only voice your brain believes. So that's why you can't say everything. Because your brain will believe what you say. This is more you can pay for. Come on, read it now. Re you read it. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get well. Why? That he may, which he swore to your fathers, this is written not from left to right, but right to left. So you have to read this verse from the bottom up, which says right now this, can I talk to, so, so it says right now today, right now today, he swore to your fathers. What did he swear to their fathers? His covenant. God has made a covenant with you and your family. And he made the covenant on his own word. It's an unequal covenant. He needs nothing from you, sugar, to make this happen. Except your faith. As it is this day, I swore something to your fathers. It was a covenant, and I have to establish it. And the sign in which I've established it in your life is what? 
Okay. I, I made a covenant with you. And the covenant is about wealth. But there's a catch. I'm not going to give you the wealth. I'm not just, I ain't going to rain down no pink Cadillacs. This is not uh, uh, Mary Kay. You might not win the lottery, but you might. But this is not me do, making you get wealth. I'm going to give you the I'm going to exousia you. I'm going to delegate my authority to you. I'm not going to tell you how wealthy you can be. I'm going to leave that up to you. I'm going to leave that within your power. There he is preaching prosperity. What in the flip do you want me to preach? Do you want me to preach debt? Do you want me to preach lack? I have to preach prosperity and wealth. I don't know what else to preach. There's only two sides to this. Either you're going to be wealthy or you're not going to be. And God said, I'm going to let you decide. I'm going to give you the Shout it out. Ain't waiting on nobody. I know that's country in Mississippi. You would say here in the Midwest, I'm not waiting on anyone. Say that. See, it doesn't have the same pop. Say it again. Ain't waiting on nobody. If I'm waiting on somebody, I'm waiting on me. If you're waiting on somebody, you're waiting on you. You're waiting on the power in your head, Josh. You're waiting on the power in your spirit. No man controls this. I don't care if they think they control it. They don't. You do. And it's in one principle at the end of the verse, which is the top to us. The bottom line is tied to the first phrase. And the word is remember. <laughs> Whenever something good happens in your life, remember me. <laughs> mm. Whenever a new door opens, remember me. When you get a new contract, whether small or big, remember me. When they let you start on the team and you know you're not the best player, remember me. When I give you a new relationship, remember me. If your wife wakes up the first thing in the morning and you smell breakfast at the first meal of the day, he says, when you wake up first thing in the morning, you take your first breath and you're cognizant that you are alive, remember me. That's all it is. If you can just see the next nice email you get as kindness from God, he says, just remember me. When the bee lands on your shoulder and doesn't sting, remember. 
Okay, I get stuck here. I get stuck here because I take it to the ridiculous. I take it to the ridiculous. When I wake up in the morning and I decide what I'm going to wear and there are no wrinkles in it, I say, hot dog, thank you, Lord. I don't have to iron this morning. What kind of God is this that can iron my clothes for me? What kind of God is this? And y'all like, oh, that's so silly. Uh-uh. That's why I get stuff every day, all day. Every day, all day. I look at the shirt one time. I ran in the Lenny. That's what I call it. I ran in the Lenny. I said, babe, this ain't no, this ain't no uh, wrinkle-free shirt. It ain't wrinkle-free. It shouldn't have come out of the wash like this. Look at this shirt. She said, Martin, what's up? I said, God, iron my shirt in the middle of the night. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. She said, from now on, tell God to iron all your clothes. <laughs> that wasn't funny at all. Take it to the ridiculous. Thank God when he saves your time. You're on your way to work in the morning and you get all the lights. God, you're so good to me. You just bless me every day. That child that's been giving me issues all week, and now today that child is perfect. God, you're so amazing to me. Come on, talk to me. He's good. He's good. He's good all the time. Let me tell you how it works. Let me tell you how it works. You get it. Y'all sit down. No, don't sit down. Stand up. Stay that right there where you is. Not everybody. If you weren't standing up, sit down. Somebody asks you to come to their house. This is how it works. It's the first job. All they need to know is how do I put this light bulb in the top of the ceiling in my house? You're a little contractor. You go over to that house with pride and you say, God, thank you for giving me this little job. I'm finna go over here. They ain't seen nothing yet. I'm gonna screw this light bulb in so good with so much power and joy in my life because it's my first light bulb. It's my first light bulb. They ain't seen nothing yet. I'm going to walk in there with my uniform and my little logo on my left right here. I'm going to screw that light bulb in and I'm going to whistle. How great is our God? The next day, I get another email. They want to put a light bulb in and they want me to finish and sweep the sidewalk. Uh-oh. God done doubled up. It's my first day of two jobs. I'm going to go screw in another light bulb and then I'm going to go sweep somebody's sidewalk. Oh, I got another email. Now I got a little text message going here. Now they want me to screw in a light bulb. They want me to sweep the sidewalk and they want me to just finish a little wall. Woo, I get to do some drywall today. God, you're so good. You've given me another thing. You did it, God. I didn't do it. You go from screwing in a light bulb to building houses from the ground. <laughs> I said, yes, you can. You can go from driving a dust buster and selling $250,000 cars every week. Hey, I'm getting behind. Come on, sit down. So what is wealth? What is wealth? What is wealth? Because people think wealth is being rich. It's not. Wealth is not having a lot of money. It's bigger than having money. This word wealth literally means strength, efficiency, means wealth or riches, but it also means an army. Let me describe it to you. Say, I want to be wealthy. 
You ought to go to YouTube and look, listen to that little girl. There's a little girl on YouTube, and uh, me and Callie used to crack up looking at her. She, the YouTube is only about uh, uh, 15, 20 seconds. And the YouTube is a little girl, and she says, hey, I want to be famous. That's all she says. That's all she says. Hey, I want to be famous. Try that. Hey, I want to be famous. The audacity in this little girl to say, I have a desire to be famous. Eight million views later at her own YouTube page where y'all pay her every week because of one video. Say it again. Hey. Look at your neighbor and tell him, hey, I want to be famous. <laughs> Abraham did too. And God made him famous. Wealth. Strength means, this is the definition of wealthy in this scripture. Wealth is strength, which is the ability to solve your own problems. You're wealthy when you don't have to go ask somebody outside your family. You can stay in the house and answer all your problems. Your sons, your daughters, your in-laws, your, your, your somebody in your family. That's why you got to marry right. You don't add nobody to your family that don't bring no answers. Hey, AWC. Let them be cute and fine, please. We're all for it. We're all for it. Make sure she's cute. You got to be attracted to her. Make sure he's fine. You got to be attracted to him. But at the end of the day, what is he bringing to this family? Because we're building wealth here on purpose. Don't be mad with me. It's efficiency. Efficiency means Virtuous valor and the power to decide quickly. This is a, a, a component of being wealthy. When you can make a decision quick, on Monday morning at 5.30 in the morning, you can make a decision quick on where you're going to put your money in the stock market. Because by 6 o'clock, you're too late. It's wealth. The Hebrew word for wealth, and it means riches, you have riches and resources. My young brother men, 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 write this down. Don't be looking at me, because the girl you want is going to want this guy. Even if you ain't got teeth in your head, this is what she's looking for right here. I don't not only have money, I got land. <laughs> I have water, I have food. I have a way to provide for you and your children. So money is a part of it. But lastly, an army. I love this word army that's used in the Hebrew. It means, you see it up on the screen, what does it mean? Army. That's wealth. There are men in Omaha who filed bankruptcy 10 to 15 times. 
but they're wealthy today. How'd they do it? It's called old money. Talk to me. What is old money? What is old money, Joshua? Yes, what is old money? That's old money. Old money is that you go bankrupt, your friend didn't down the street. He didn't go bankrupt. And you can go to him and all your friends can get together with their compound interest and they can say, hey, we're going to help you get restored. And most of us, we go to talk to our friend about loaning us $100 and they block us from the phone. Because, you, because they are not wealthy. Am I too much? So that's the definition of wealth. So watch this now. Yep. Watch this now. I want you to go to 1 Kings 17, 8. Y'all with me? You good? Y'all going to go home and take a nap? <laughs> I am. <laughs> Okay, the prophet Elijah, prophet Elijah, there's a famine in the land. Everybody's hungry. It's a horrible time. Listen to what God says to him. Then the word came, of the Lord came to him saying, arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. I want you to live there in this time of famine. I want you to go to a place where there's no food, no water. I want you to go there, and I want you to set up shop. You're not going to leave. Why? Next verse. Why? Because I have commanded a widow there to feed you, provide for you. I want you to go there in this famine. Stay with her. She's going to feed you. Now, the word widow here is not what we call widow in our connotation. Widow here means helpless. In our connotation, it's, that's not necessarily what it is. A widow in America could have a life insurance policy. You know, they in a house is paid for. They got children to take care of. This person has nothing, no one. So it's the least of these. This, this particular story is about the person who's at the bottom, never had any wealth. God's never done anything that they can remember in their history. Am I making sense? So it's for the least of these. The least of these. And this woman we're getting ready to talk about you're going to find out about her that God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you lack. He knows exactly what you're praying for. He knows exactly what you're believing for. You're not by yourself. So let's read the 10th verse and we'll find that out. So he rose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, the widow was there gathering sticks. That's all she's doing is picking up sticks. And he called to her saying, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. You got to understand that Elijah, Elijah is familiar here. They all know he's the seeding prophet. He took, he, Elijah has taken over and eventually Elisha will, will be his counterpart, will be his mentor, will be his protege. Are we together? Okay. So now God is always going to ask you for something. He's always going to be in this place where he's going to check your sensitivity. 
Let me just see if this woman respects me. Would you bring me some water? No, I ain't bringing you no water. Get your own water. I know you're a Reverend, but I don't respect Reverends. Get your own water. You got to find out the people in your life that you cannot help. And you cannot help people that you are their problem. Don't waste your time. If they see you as the problem, don't try to help them. You're going to mess it up. He wanted to know, does this woman even respect my words? I make that mistake all the time. I think I'm talking to someone who respects me and what I say, but they really don't respect me at all. So my words go up, then they go out. I'm like, what am I doing? God answers me quick. You're wasting your time. So he checks her sensitivity. She says, yes, sir. Yes, sir, prophet. I'll go get you some water. Watch what happens next. <laughs> You're going to get me some water, huh, girl? You respect me. You understand my office. You understand I'm not just standing here, but I'm standing here as a representative for God to you. You understand why I was born to be a prophet and to stand in the, in the face of God and in your face. I'm an intercessor between what God wants for you and you. My job is to bring out of God what he wants for you and get you in the position to get it. That there was crazy good, Kent. I don't know, I don't know what happened to you, but that was good to me. I felt that one down in my toes, not. Okay, what was I saying? I got too far. Okay, so verse 11. Y'all hurry up. Don't slow me down. <laughs> okay, uh, verse 11. Read it out loud. Now, she going to get the water. Watch what happens. As she was going to get the water, what he said? And said what? Now, what is this man of God getting ready to ask me for? He's asking me for bread. The greedy sucker, he don't just want some water. <laughs> this greedy preacher, right. I was, all, I was almost to the kitchen. I was almost to the kitchen. Get this man his water. Get him up out of my house. This pastor keep bothering me. Now he wants some bread. He don't even know what I'm going through. Why would he ask me for bread? Why would he challenge me today? And then she answers him. As the Lord lives. Next verse. I don't have any bread. You're asking me for something I don't have. If you were a man of God, you would have known I didn't have no bread. If you really loved me, you wouldn't tell me to give something I don't have. If you were spirit-filled and you were a praying pastor, you wouldn't talk about giving all the time. I don't have bread. I only have a handful of flour in a bin, a little oil in a jar, and see, this is what you caught me doing. I wasn't out here playing a game of pick up sticks with my son. I'm gathering a couple of sticks 
so I can put these sticks under a pot and light them on fire. Then I'm going to make for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. I don't have a piece of bread. I got a little flour and a couple of drops of oil. And now the man of God is getting ready to have mercy on her. He's getting ready to say, I understand, sweetheart. Never mind. <laughs> I'll go to the house down the street of the people who have plenty. My only problem is God told me that you're getting ready to have enough to feed me during this whole crisis time. I don't know what you got at home. That ain't none of my business, what you got at home. All I know is that here in just a little bit, something's going to work out between me, you, and God, and God's getting ready to do something in your life. So he says it this way. And Elijah said to her, 13th verse, I'm, I'm sorry, sugar. That ain't what he said. Do not fear. Go and do as what you said. Go cook you a cake and die. If that's what you plan to do, cook a cake for you and die. You and your boy. It's okay. Y'all read it out loud because y'all not with me. What'd he say? Go and cook for you and your boy and die. If that's your plan, go do that. But first, but put me first, though. Bring me a cake first. Well, how am I going to bring you a cake first? If I make a cake and give it to you, we ain't got no cake. He said, that's fine. Someone walked up to me, someone walked up to me, it was giving time, I was preaching at another church, and they walked up to me, and I'm looking at the pastor, because you know you don't know people when you're speaking, and I just wanted to know if this was an EGR, an extra grace required person, I didn't know what was happening, so they came to me during offering time, because, you know, I was just, you know, because you got to treat people differently with where they're, where they're at, I didn't know, so I'm looking at him, and he's just looking at me, I'm like, What's, what is this, but anyway, she says, this is all I have, this is all I have. And God told me to give it, uh, you know. So just have mercy on me and pray for me, Pastor. I'm looking at him. I'm like, um, why don't you come? I don't know her. I don't know her. He finally says to me, I don't know her either. She came visiting because you were here. And I said, then stop crying. I don't know you. You don't know me. But you just told me God told you to give it. Those are your words. I said, I'm not getting a penny of it. But if he told you to give it, he's trying to get something to you. Stop crying and rejoice. And I said, if you want to learn how to do it, this is my son. Stay at this church. He'll show you. He'll show you how to live this out. You got to learn how to live this out. You live in the Midwest, doggone it. There are 500,000 combines just a few miles from you, right here in Omaha, right out here. 
combines, $500,000 a combine. And the, the extras, the attachments are 25000 or more. You got $600,000, dollars worth of planting and harvest equipment. That farmer is not in that tractor putting seed in the ground. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, you want me to put this seed in the ground? <laughs> that farmer is whistling up in that combine. He finna put that seed in the ground and go down to the little diner with his beer bubble rolls on and have coffee with his friends. He knows what's getting ready to happen. People aren't giving to the Lord Jesus. This is all I have. It took me the whole year to save up this little first fruit offering. I, you know, what you crying about? You're not getting ready to give to no human. You're getting ready to give to God. Your, 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 your corn seed on the ground, your corn seed ain't the miracle. The ground ain't the miracle. It's when you put a seed in the ground, the miracles happen. That seed, if it's corn, calls for everything the corn needs to grow. If it's soybean, it calls for everything that the soybean needs to grow because the tree is not in the acorn. The tree is in the ground and the relationship with the acorn to the ground. When I sow my seed, I'm sowing it into God and his will and anything I sow, God multiplies. So tell your neighbor, stop crying now. My, my mama would say, why wouldn't, why wouldn't they whip you? Then they tell you to dry it up. Okay, y'all don't do that in, in Omaha. Y'all don't, don't get spankings. But my mama would spank me and then say, dry it up. Then if I, did, <laughs> if I didn't dry it up, she, she would say, if you don't dry it up, I'm going to give you something too. Yeah. Yeah, all mamas is the same. They all is the same. <laughs> oh, I'm going to give you something to cry for. That, that, that wasn't really it. If you don't dry it up. And if they do it in public, they don't want nobody else to know they discipline you. So they'd be like, dry it up right now. They'd be like, hey, you know, dry it right now, I'm telling you. They done beat the living fart out of you, and now they want you to dry it up. <laughs> But let me be your pastor now. Dry it up. Dry it up. You are a kingdom citizen. You're not just a Christian. Christians come in all shapes and all sizes. People who hate God say they're Christian. Two minutes. Verse 14. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, listen to what he says now. Don't be afraid. Don't be concerned. I'm trying to show you a new principle here. He says, put me first. And you will always be my priority. Put me first. 
Bless her. Put me first. Say it. If God is first, you will always be his priority. Me first, you always. If you put me first, I will always put you first. So she went her way and did according to what Elijah said. She and he and her household ate for many days. She fed him like God promised. She never ran out of food. Come on, Pastor. Why? Because she put him Verse 16, read it out loud. Verse 16, the bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil, according to the Trust my words this morning and trust his principles. Trust my word that I'm giving to you this morning from the scripture and trust his principles.